Hello and welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and tonight I'm welcoming A.P. Strange, someone I've been talking with on Facebook off and on for a couple years. He's a really interesting guy, and he has a really fascinating story to tell. So say hello to the people. Hello, people. Yay, people. (laughs) Thanks for having me on, Barbara. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. So what 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 is it you're doing these days besides telling me really cool stories? Uh, well, yeah, I've been doing a lot of writing. Uh, I've lately been writing for Paranormality Magazine, which has been which has been pretty cool. It's been kind of the kick in the pants I needed to actually get to <laughs> get to work and write some stuff. So yeah. that's been a lot of fun. Um, and I, you know, in that in that vein, I ended up kind of just submitting to a few other publications. So next month I should have, uh, I should have three different magazines I'm appearing in. (laughs) So that'll be good. What are the other two? Um, one of them's a newer magazine called high strange magazine. I've seen, I've seen an ad for it somewhere, but I don't remember where. And the other one's pretty exciting because it's, um, alternate perceptions. Talk to Brent Rains and, had kind of a John Keel tangential story that I thought he'd like. So <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah. yeah. I love Brent and, and I do owe him a, an article, so I'll have to like, you know, actually sit down and write it. So, yeah, I figured since I've been using the name AP strange, I ought to get into AP magazine. <laughs> exactly. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. And of course the first time I saw AP magazine, I was thinking um, associated press because I used to be well, right, yeah. a, a copy editor in a newsroom. So I'm like, hey, P. Megan. Yeah, I get that a lot because when, you I, know, when I share so news I articles, like, like I find weird articles online, sometimes I'll go back to the AP source to share it because all the other ones right. are bogged down with ads or something, you know. So, um, and then people kind of make that commentary. They're like, oh, I didn't know you had your own news source, news channel, <laughs> like AP Street. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah were they serious or teasing you that's because yeah they're usually just joking around yeah I think, okay good i don't think they're good. legitimately think that but okay um, it didn't occur that's to me good. when i um when i kind of came up with that moniker for myself but uh if you do type in like if you're looking for like a weird news story and you type in ap to get the Associated Press, like my blog will pop up. So <laughs> that's good for me. <laughs> I didn't do that on that's purpose. That's pretty funny though. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to have to be in charge of wire stories when they'd come over. That's been, that's back when they had the wire. I'm very old. Um, and, you know, it would come out in this terrible dot matrix printer bull crap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that was that was really fun, and then you know we had to type it in by hand to yeah. then do the mock up and oh man, just just thinking about all of the gluing things to paper with wax and things, and then sending it to get printed was just ridiculous. Yeah. So there's something cool about it though. Like I I had I had plans to actually do kind of like an old saucer zine style thing where where i would do that you know and <clears throat> have it look like the old style 60s saucer zines um, right but that that kind of 
I sought out some contributors and very few of them actually got back to me. <laughs> and Aww, then it kind man. of fell by the wayside because I ended up getting busy with all kinds of other writing. So, yeah, you, you got to go for the stuff that will actually kind of pay you. Um, and, and sometimes that kind of zine isn't going to pay you, no, it which is cost, sad because it would be fun. It would have cost me money, but I would have done it anyway. <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that <clears throat> at all. Yeah. But yeah. You're yeah. right. Well, so you 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 said that you had a really fun story that you've never told on a show. And so if you want to jump into that or you want to like go at it sideways and yeah. tell other however you want uh, to do it. Uh, just to build a little context for it cuz um yeah, you can't just just jump right into that cold, right? Haunted by a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're you're like you're jumping right in up. too too far. You're messing up the lead. Way into the deep end. But um no, yeah, I mean that is the kind of story that even myself, even somebody that you know, will describe himself as a certified kook and a donut wizard is uh <laughs> hesitant to tell. <laughs> but no, I understand that. I, I do really. There's there's stuff that I've barely told in public yet. So yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. um, the house I grew up in was built in 1779. Oh, it was an old like colonial home, and uh, plenty of spooky stuff happened there. Um, so the story that I'm kind of sick of telling because I end up doing it every show was you know, the, my, one of my earliest memories of kind of luminous entities, like at the foot of my bed. Um, there was a huge gap between that and when like the poltergeist activity started kicking up at the house I lived in. So uh, that's kind of where we're going today is, is around that time. So, right. um, so yeah, I mean, and I think it's kind of wild cause I have, I feel like it's just been a subject that's too broad to really, approach because there are too many little events and uh mm -hmm. you've had poltergeist type uh stuff yeah yeah a little a little bit and and it's it was generally either morgana or i mm -hmm. doing it unconsciously i think right but, and, but there, there is sure. something in yeah but yeah. There's, there's something in this house that likes to uh imitate people's voices Ooh. That's creepy. And yeah, it is. And it occasionally will still act up and, and you know, be yeah. very weird. Don't like that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not um, fun. But uh, yeah, for me, see, that was part of it is that since I had a very early experiences and then, you know, I don't recall that many from when I was, uh, you know, uh, but before my like preteen years, um, but in that time, I was always reading about the stuff, you know, because I wanted to know what happened with the luminous entities at the end of my bed when I was like uh, between the age of three and five, somewhere in there. Right. Um, at like, uh, so my mother had a copy of like the Reader's Digest Mysteries of the Unexplained book. So, mm -hmm. which, you know, is it pretty, actually a pretty good primer. Yeah. It's for, not a bad book. It uh, has, they're just direct clippings and excerpts from a lot of, uh, 
a lot of journals and stories and newspapers and all kinds of stuff. So um, uh, Soraya's done a pretty good couple shows about that, uh, reading excerpts from it. But that's where I was introduced to like J.B. Ryan and the concept of like parapsychology and all this other stuff. I remember watching like the Ghostbusters movies as a kid and recognizing like Zenner cards and understanding yes. what they meant by like ectoplasm and all this other stuff because <laughs> I had already read yep. it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I never really was sure if what I was experiencing was like a genuine haunting or a poltergeist or a recurring spontaneous psychokinesis. They all seemed right. like, like different things. Um, so uh, I think like a precursor to the Muppet tale here is one of the earliest, um, more dramatic events I noticed, or I remember is, uh, so to set the scene, my mother would watch like my cousins after school every day. So I had like three cousins that would come over that more or less were like sisters to me cause they were over every day. Um, and my brother and we, would have little spooky things happening here and there. And we had a, my brother and I shared a bedroom with bunk beds and the room that we had been in when we were younger was just empty. It was like a guest room that nobody ever stayed in. And that door to that room would just like swing open and it would like freak us out. So we'd all just be like playing in the room and it would swing open. So um, a lot of people in new England are familiar with this and I'm sure you've seen it before probably a general east coast thing but the those old doors like the uh colonial style doors where it's like a metal latch that sits into a divot on a curb Mm -hmm. thing so you have to actually push down that handle to pop up Mm -hmm. the latch to go over the divot and but so the the door wasn't just like swinging open because the pressure changed or something like the latch would pop up and it would swing open and then nobody would be on the other side of it yeah so uh, something did something somehow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we were freaked out about this door. And um, at some point we were talking about like what to do. You know, I think it was like, at least, I don't know if we were all in the room, but there was like four or five of us in the room just going like, what are we going to do? You know, this friggin' door. And it's this, we, do we have a ghost? Like what's happening? And then the door swung open and we all flipped out. And we, oh, we, had, yeah. we had armed ourselves with Nerf guns because it's it's the same logic as pulling a blanket over your head when you're scared. Yeah, and yeah. Bad, you, know, <laughs> you felt like you at least had something. And we let them all off at the door. And then, of course, nothing happened. But um, yeah. as we started to relax a little bit, there was a squawking sound that came from the top of my bureau. And I had uh, an electronic stuffed parrot up there. It was like a toy stuffed animal parrot. The whole idea with it was you could press a button on it and say something, and then it was like the parrot would talk back to you. But if you didn't have a pre-recorded thing, it would just squawk and flap its wings. So this thing started going off like crazy, and it wouldn't stop. Mm. And normally with this toy, if you press the button, it would do it once and then stop. And if you held it down, you could record something. But it, it would never continually go, except now it was. And oh dear! So this freaked us all out. Like you picture yeah. a bunch of kids panicking because this happened, and then uh, when, then we calm down again because it's just a toy. I go over and pick it up and flip, the, go to flip the switch to the off position, 
and it was already off. So then I popped open the battery. Oh, I popped oh, open yeah. the battery pack. <laughs> There's no batteries in it. Oh no. No. <laughs> so I, I knew you were gonna say that, but So I threw it across the <laughs> I was road. hoping you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Um so that was the first time that I encountered like what seemed like a possessed toy. Um and like by this time I was well familiar with like the Annabelle story, which you know, this is way before those movies came out, but uh, I used to watch like unsolved mysteries and sightings and mm-hmm. like everything and reading on any book I could find. So I was like, Oh no, like what if this is a demonic thing and like they're possessing the toys and the dolls, you know? Um, so where it began and got a bit Muppety <laughs> is <laughs> um Uh, something in a similar vein happened where something kind of freaked us out. And then um, like something fell and made, made a noise and, you know, it was enough to startle us and we went to investigate and I found this um, like full-sized animal from the Muppets. Um, My grandfather had given it to me when I was really little and it was like a, a functioning puppet of animal. And it was the same size as animal, like on the Muppet show. Um, but you could get your hand inside to operate the mouth, but it had a seat, another lever where you could stick your finger up above to operate the eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was clearly what fell. I think it fell from the top bunk of the bunk beds and, um, like, Oh, just animal. And like, I went and pick it up and I'm holding it in my hands so that I'm staring into the eyes of animal. And the eyebrows, like, blinked. <laughs> oh, no. Which doesn't happen oh. unless you're operating it from the inside. Yeah, so. and I know exactly that toy because my uncle had one. Oh, really? Yes. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Now, he was a fully grown-ass man when he had it, but that was his favorite <laughs> Muppet. So I know exactly how it works and, and how there's no way unless that lever is being pulled. Yeah. And you can't pull it with child hands on the outside it's just no, yeah i mean i had a hand on the either side of his head yeah like holding yeah, it, it doesn't arms. work um yeah so that was freaky and uh, and that was another thing where like as soon as that happens you throw the toy across the robe and and yep the guy scooped him <laughs> up and threw him in the closet and piled other stuff on top of him you know um but Oof. that was kind of the beginnings of our our troubles with with animal at the house <laughs> oh my god because we had, um, you know, it, it, like poltergeist stuff is is kind of interesting. I, um, it's probably my favorite paranormal phenomena to think about and read about. Um, having experienced it, when you see it in movies, it's not quite the same. Like I feel like movie interpretations of poltergeist phenomena follow the similar arc, where it's centered around one person and mm-hmm. like things start off slow and then they get crazy and then there has to be some kind of resolution and then it's over. And it's like, right. No, (laughs) not really. Yeah. Like over the course of pretty much my whole preteen to like teenage years, um, uh, probably age like 12 to I'd say like 16, 17, like it, it was just off and on. You could go months without something happening and then something dramatic would happen, you know? Um, But for a little while there, 
like animal was was pretty much a constant. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. Um so I was going over some old notes because I had written some of this down to send to somebody. Um one of the more dramatic I remember was uh animal so so animal had been misbehaving and what we did as a result was much like in the first encounter i basically rolled his body up like rolled his head into his body and rolled him up in a ball and then tied the arms and legs <laughs> and put him in the back of the closet and then put a bunch of stuff on top of him and closed the closet door and latched it shut um just so so there was no way he could get out and um my cousin and i were at this point we were we were going to draw that was our plan for the afternoon and uh we would draw like little cartoons and stuff um so i was sitting at the window with my back turned to the room and I had a little shelf there that i could draw on and my cousin was laying on her on her on her belly on the floor drawing and um we were talking and drawing and you know we were we're excited to secretly draw a funny cartoon to show each other after. Uh, right. <laughs> I had a, uh, I had a running character that I always drew at the time called lucky Harry. He was just this dude with a ball cap and then something awful was always just about to happen to him. So there were little <laughs> one panel comics where he'd be standing there and there's like an acne safe directly above his head about to fall on him, you know? Right. Um, so, uh, at some point, like I'm, I'm getting a kick out of myself for the funny cartoon I, was, I just drew, and I'm like chuckling at it. And I'm like, "Hey, you got to see this one!" And I like turn around. Animal is now at the top of my brother's dresser, which is right next to where she's laying on the ground, laid flat out on his stomach with his hand posed onto a bowling pin like an actual bowling pin, a 10 pin bowling pin from a bowling alley <laughs> that we had gotten as a souvenir from, you know, they were going to throw oh, it away yeah. from the bowling alley. Um, and, and it was at the corner of, of the bureau. Like he was about to shove it off and clock her with it. <laughs> and those things are heavy. That would hurt. How old were you all? Uh, probably 12, 12, 13. Oh man. There. Yeah. If it hit her on the head, it could give her a concussion. That's awful. Yeah. I mean, so neither of us got hurt with any of the stuff that ever happened. Still, that's typical in poltergeist stuff. It's always yes. Like, it's always yes. just close enough to let you know that you could probably be hurt, you know. I could hurt you. Yeah. But and I it, won't. And it didn't it's fall. Like, oh! <laughs> yeah. It didn't fall. It was just turning around and seeing that was like Yeah. Something kind of snaps in your head while that happens cuz like <sighs> balled them up, tied them up buried him. and she saw you do it right yeah and neither yeah. neither of us left the room in between oh we did man. that and then started drawing <laughs> oh man that's just ooh. so um yeah so that was pretty menacing i uh, remember that um that one sticks out to me the other interesting thing about that though was when we calmed down and compared our cartoons, we had actually drawn the same exact thing in multiple oh, frames. So, Oh, that's interesting. Um, Cause her and I seem to have some kind of like telepathic thing going on. 
mm-hmm. at the time and uh, especially when the animal activity was kicking up um uh yeah i mean that was kind of uh, so i never really could square how exactly that was related if it was like but it psycho, seemed to be right if it was a psychokinesis thing and we were linked right. up in some way maybe that's like the energy needed to make the crazy stuff with animal happen i don't know right now did your did you ever tell your parents yeah um my mom was afraid of it afraid of the stuff going on in the house so it was like um at the time she would always brush off concerns so as not to like get us worked up and scare us more right my dad just didn't ever notice things happening so he didn't really buy it he figured right. we were all just freaking each other out and like playing gags on each other. And like to this right. day, he'll still say that. And then, you know, the slightest spooky thing happens to him and he's mind blown about it. <laughs> 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 um, but, but yeah, my mom secretly was a bit freaked out by some of the stuff in that house. Cause uh, she, she'd experienced stuff when we weren't home and just like, learned pretty quick not to tell us about it because that only got us like more interested and worked up more and it fed into it more but yeah my mom would see weird stuff happen at the house or she'd be sitting at the computer and hear kids laughing and she'd think like how'd the kids get home from school so early you know it's not time for them to be home from school (laughs) and get up around and there were no kids you know (laughs) yeah that's fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah that would mess a mom up if she's in the house by herself do you have any like dogs or cats i had a dog and a bird as pets when i was a kid a cockatiel so so um, did they react in any way to any of the weirdness yeah so my dog would often like walk into the living room like there was something floating in the middle of the room and then he'd sit down and Mm. stare at the ceiling and his eyes would yeah. be like tracing something on the ceiling and you never figure out what it was. Uh, yeah. I, there were times where I'd be sitting on the couch and I'd hear him inside of his dog crate, which like was weird because he didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't sleep in there ever. The only, the only reason we had it was in case we had company over cause he was a big boy and he'd get excited. So sometimes you'd have company where he couldn't, he'd be a liability and you'd have to put him in there a little bit, you know, um, that was the only time it ever got used. So I'd be like, that's weird. What's Rusty doing in his crate? He doesn't even go in there and I hear like a claw scratching and then I'd hear Mm. a bark outside and I'm like, Oh boy. Like what's, what's in the crate? (laughs) Yeah. Do you ever find like hot pink hair in the crate or, no. or orange? No. <laughs> <laughs> just no. checking, just checking. Yeah, I mean the the only evidence like I mean that that was a weird thing with animals. That one time it blinked was the only time you really saw it move. It would just end up places that it shouldn't be. Right. The only time I ever saw it move on its own, but we were outside and my mom had us doing chores. Because, I mean, there's only so many things you can do when you got, like, five kids at a house. Like, putting them all to work is a pretty good option. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> sure is. So, we had, like, a, we had a um, chestnut tree in the back that would always drop nuts all over the yard. And somebody would have to go pick them up. 
and so we'd pick them up and huck them into the woods for and uh like we actually saw an animal like move by the window a couple times like he was just oh. walking back and forth and oh no it's oh. like you know and then you'd be like well what maybe it's one of the cousins like messing with me or something because i don't think everybody's out here but then you'd see everybody would be accounted for like 10 seconds later. So like nobody got from upstairs in the house, down the stairs, out the door and around the back in time to admit, unless it was my mom oh. doing it, but my mom was going out of her way to like not mess with us. Not kids. freak you guys out. She didn't want to yeah. have five scared kids to like, <laughs> Oh my God. No, nobody wants that. <laughs> so. No. I'm, okay. My dad would probably have done stuff like that, but he was, he was, yeah, my mom wasn't like above playing people. gags on us, like, but it would be her her style was more like startle us. I mean, it was she, mm -hmm. she wouldn't do a long game sort of thing, right? She, would, she she would prefer the the you know boom, it's over, and then she can laugh at you to your face, and then it's you know, <laughs> right? She would no, that makes sense. Why would you do a prank like that where you don't even get to see the results? You know, I don't know. No, but um. Yeah, and I don't think she knew so much about the animal stuff because she didn't believe us about a lot of the other stuff or seemed not to She because she would always brush it off. So we kind of like stopped talking about it around her because she, you know, kind of right. we kind of knew what the response would be. So, um, yeah, yeah. So. So he he blinked and then he just kept appearing in weird places that he, you know, he came to, hadn't ought to have been. Right. Yeah. And he came to, well, and then moving by the window too, but yeah, that one, that's, um, he was just part and parcel of all the other, uh, you know, things moving on their own. Um, the, the, the types of things you expect with poltergeist, but he came to kind of be the representative of it i guess he was like the face mm -hmm. of the poltergeist activity that we didn't have before <laughs> so oh, we would start Lord. blaming yeah. stuff on him you know right when, the, when when something would happen like one time we came home from school and all of our cassette tapes just our our regular tapes that we listen to every day were all over the place in the room with all of the tape pulled out of them so that it was strewn over everything yeah, dog can't really do that. Well, dog can crack the cases open. Dog also wasn't allowed upstairs because I I See? was allergic to dogs growing up, um, and I was so, fine. It was yeah. enough that I could have one, but as long as he wasn't where I slept, I was fine. So right. he wasn't allowed in my room, you know. Um. Uh. Yeah, but <laughs> he wouldn't be able to do that anyway. It's somebody yeah. intentionally like pulling the the tape from mm -hmm. a case and and you know tape making effort to pull it all out and then throwing it around you know uh, yeah that's that requires fingers yeah <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. not big dog you know mouth teeth yeah that required yeah, a number cases would all be broken yeah required a number two pencil to put them back together <laughs> wind them back up Jeez. yeah <laughs> I, yeah um but we blame that on if we came home and we're like oh my god like this was animal you know um no i mean did I, you ever talk to him I could, like you know animal leave us alone uh no i don't think we we never really thought of that um we tried communicating via, via ouija board 
Um, <laughs> but my mom wouldn't let us bring one in. See? Uh, yeah. My, my buddy had one, and my mom was, like, wicked against it. So that... uh Yeah. Um, uh, so what we did was we made one. <laughs> I was waiting for that too. Yeah. I was like, y'all just, were awfully clever. Yeah. He, <laughs> he brought the, he, he could sneak the instructions over. Um, mm-hmm. so we had a picture of it. So we just copied what was in the picture of the Ouija board and, and drew it on a big, big piece of construction paper. And then we used a, yeah. ma- a magnifying glass as a planchette. Um, did it work? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, so we were, we were too chicken to do it in a dark room. Uh, like we could have made it darker than it was, but, uh, it was afternoon, probably summertime and it was sunny outside. So what we did is we, we brought the blinds down on one side of the room. We Mm -hmm. brought them about halfway down in the middle of the room. And then in the room right next to us um the the blinds were all the way down so it was kind of like we had dark on either side but we had a window the half right half still letting light in and um and it was my friend and my cousin and i sitting around this thing and my friend said okay if there's any spirit present give us a sign the blinds that we had left half down fell all the way down I was waiting for that one too. I was like, "Yeah, it's complete darkness, isn't it?" Drop, yep, so that's now, gonna be it, now it's dark. And oh. I had enough time to rationalize it, where I'm like, "Well, it's gravity. It's like yeah. we, we didn't yeah. set you it didn't, right, and it yeah, you didn't in. have the latch just right. so yeah. with the string. You got to pull it sideways really hard. Yeah, yeah I, maybe I we didn't see, do yeah. it right, and it just fell. Yeah." But yeah. at that moment, my other cousin walked into the room next to the room we were in, and she walked in, and the blinds went all the way up in there. Okay, no, that and she saw it <laughs> as she walked into the room. So she saw that happen on its own and stared at the window oh. and then looked at us, seeing us sitting around a board, and she was like, "I'm going to go back downstairs." <laughs> 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 that's a that's a rational thought really <laughs> so um yeah so just to remove any doubt you know the <laughs> the blinds went up in that room which didn't really do much for us light wise but you know no um, uh yeah so we did try to communicate with it through that and um the name we got for whatever was pestering us was q it would only identify itself as q and um and then things got a bit weirder after that as well because i don't even really i have no idea how to explain this because it was like little balled up pieces of paper would appear places and when you mm-hmm. uncrumpled it it would have a message scrawled on it from oh, q oh man q would sign it off as just q oh man um and i mean Did y'all watch star trek next generation we did yeah <laughs> that's probably where it got that particular name maybe brains yeah i mean i never really considered that before i always thought like q is kind of a funny name um but I, those are always those are the best episodes of next gen uh, yeah and that, he was a big old space trickster that makes sense like from a co-creation st- standpoint too mm-hmm. we might have kind of internally did that you know uh, yeah because 
my grandfather was like a Trekkie before there were Trekkies, you know? Right. So he raised us all like my cousins, my, and my brother and I on Star Trek. (laughs) So. Excellent. um, Anytime he went to grandma and grandpa's house, he'd be laying on the couch, smoking a cigar, watching Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a cool grandpa. Oh yeah. He's cool. Um, Well, he, he also worked for uh, a company that made like spacesuits and stuff. He, Oh, that is cool. He basically designed some of the first flexible spacesuits that were used in the Gemini missions and and that stuff. So, yeah, I think he had a vested interest in space already, like when mm-hmm. the series premiered, and it kind of meant, yeah. So I don't know. I never really considered the next gen connection, but that's actually <laughs> maybe that has something to do with it. You know, uh, it could have. Yeah, I mean. And that's another thing that's almost too weird to talk about the crumpled up pieces of paper with notes written on them. You know, I think I yeah. kind of discarded that as, as one of the poltergeist type things that I could talk about. <laughs> Cause yeah, no, I, I understand. I, yeah, I wouldn't want to tell that to people most of the time. It's too easy to but, fake, right? Like anybody could yeah, have just written a note yeah. and crumpled it up, but it was always consistent. The handwriting was and did th- squiggly, like somebody was bearing down and writing it out very slowly, you know. And, right. Um, did it? Did the messages were they? What kind of messages were they? Were they? Did they make sense? Were they nonsensical? Did they make predictions? Yeah. Um, well, having never really discussed it before, I honestly don't remember very much. I think they were just like teasing for the most part or um kind of uh threatening you know mm-hmm. like, it would always be like really brief it would be something like watch out or like <laughs> i'm here or something like that you know like just yeah nothing terribly descriptive just something unsettling you know yeah and then one one time it appeared inside of uh it appeared on the side of the uh, toilet paper dispenser in the bathroom. And then oh, we, got, we got in trouble for that because my mom was, was mad that one of us wrote yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah. That only happened once. but Was that like marker or crayon or? It was still, it was a ballpoint pen. It was always a ballpoint okay. pen whenever it happened. Um, but it, it was a wooden paper like a wooden toilet paper uh, yeah dispenser that my mom had actually like made so my mom did a lot of woodworking when i was a kid and so it was like it was soft wood that was just painted over and yeah so it was hard to read but it was it was you know it was um it it was kind of inscribed in there like it was dug in so it was almost more like it was carved in you know (laughs) so oh uh, and it's almost like he, whatever it was was trying to get you in trouble with that one yeah i mean we would get in trouble like fairly frequently like um the most dramatic uh, uh you know things moving kind of poltergeist activity that i witnessed was um leaving my bedroom my cousin following right behind me and as we're le- as i'm walking away like i turned around to say something to her and um, a wooden nightstand that was next to the bunk beds was instead of just 
being right next to the bed where it's supposed to be instead was turned sideways and uh, levitating a couple feet off the floor right behind her. Like I turned to say something oh, to her man. before I get a word out. There's this like heavy ass cabinet. Um, again, something my mom made, it was made out of wood, uh, had a cabinet section in the bottom that was filled with our binders full of baseball cards and stuff. And it, right. So it, was, so it was heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as I turned around before I could say anything, like I, I, I think I switched it up where I was about to say "look out" or something. Like I, but I couldn't get any words out, and it dropped. Um, and man, that was a loud crash. Like, <laughs> did you get in trouble for that yeah. too? Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure. As, yeah, as I figured. We both just kind of like gasped and like held our hands to our face, like "oh god!" And then you, uh, you know, I, you hear my mom yell from downstairs, and you hear her stomping like up the stairs. You're like, "Oh, we're in trouble." We're in so much trouble. <laughs> oh man, that's just an old house too. Like you know, so that sound reverberates. I'm sure to my mom, yeah. it sounded like we like busted a hole through the wall or like. <laughs> yeah. 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 But um, yeah. Oh my god. She thought we were like jumping on the bed and knocked it over or something, but or you know somebody flew off the bed and hit the floor. But we had yeah. bunk beds, so <laughs> you couldn't really jump on either one. Yeah, I know. If you jumped on the one on the top, you'd hit your head on the ceiling. You'd right. jump on the one on the bottom, you'd hit your head on the mattress above yeah. you. But so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we got in trouble. She made us go outside. and I mean, we never got in too much trouble. My mom would just be like, get out of here. Just go outside and play. Yeah. Stop. Get out of my Tearing place. up the house, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come back till dinner yeah. time, you know? Like, <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah, that was, that was, that, that was the most impressive feat I think I saw of, of, you know, things moving without any apparent source. Um, now, did you ever have things appear in the house that hadn't been there before or disappear and then reappear in dumb places. Uh, here's an odd one. Um, I mentioned the tapes before. It's mostly what yeah. we did was listen to music. Um, mm -hmm. You know, kind of at that like liminal age where you don't play with toys anymore so much. Yeah. You just kind of lay around and listen to music and draw things or write things. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, I had just gotten a new tape. And we had just gotten home from school and my cousin was following me and I, I, I was like, Oh, you got to listen to this, the song, you know, listen to this new album I just got. And I put the tape in and she was like, Oh, all right, well just hold on. I, I got to use the bathroom. I'll be right back. She leaves the room. And, um, so I put the tape in and I pressed the rewind button to make sure it was all the way at the beginning. And while I'm waiting for it to rewind, I think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump out and scare her when she comes back into the room. So I started to like make my way into the adjacent room so that I could, you know, just jump out and be like, boo. Right. But I messed it all up because <laughs> she got back quicker than I thought. And, and that, that made me panic and jump out in a really obvious way. And then she started making fun of me and, <laughs> <laughs> She was really good for making fun of me when I did stupid stuff like that. And, um, but so, I mean, I never really was 
not an eye shot of where my stereo was. Um, mm-hmm. That I never really even got out of the room. I was about to, and then, you know, I didn't. So we turn around, we came back in. I come back to the tape player, and the rewind button is still down. It was one of those um, old combination record player tape deck mm-hmm. stereos where, like, um, the you know, later ones, the rewind button would pop back up when it was done. Yeah, but the was, old ones yeah. would just sit there. Right. So I went over and pressed stop, pressed play, and then we're just talking and hanging out. And uh, after a couple of minutes, she was just like, hey, didn't. I thought you were going to put some music on, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, well, I did. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like that maybe the speakers aren't connected or whatever. I didn't yeah. turn on the receiver and I turned around and I looked at the tape deck and there was no tape in there anymore. And then I looked oh. on top of the stereo where the turntable was and it was just sitting on top, <laughs> but the rewind button was still down when I went in <laughs> So the oh, tape man. apported itself out of the deck and on top of the stereo. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the things like this are so difficult to describe, you know? <laughs> and, it, well, and, and they're so like minor and weird that you're just, it almost falls into like the jots category where it's just one of those yes. things, you know, you're just like, yes. you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That, that that kind of stuff was constant for me. Yeah. 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 That see that's that's the kind of stuff we have in our house. We have stuff moving to you know stupid places where it shouldn't be. Or um I know I put my keys right there and I looked for the keys right there five times and I've looked everywhere else and I come back and they're right there. Yeah. Where I left them oh, yeah. the first time. Yeah. You know, um, and that even happens with my husband. And, uh, but, you know, the kids and I are like, just ask the house, just mm-hmm. talk to the house and ask for it to give it back. Mm-hmm. And he felt dumb, but it works. You yeah. know, even his, even his dad, who is a, a, a medical doctor, you know, and retired, but still, he's a doctor, very rational. He doesn't listen to the podcast, basically, because, you know, he, he he doesn't think I'm crazy. He just thinks that, you know, that stuff, there has to be a better explanation than a paranormal one for it. He just doesn't know what it is. Um, but he called me one day and he said, you're rubbing off on me. <laughs> and I said, what? And he said, well, I, you know, we had this stack of papers. They go between two houses seasonally because you know he doesn't want to be in florida during hurricane season so they go up to the northeast they go to new hampshire beautiful Mm -hmm. place and they were getting ready to go back to florida and they had the stack of paperwork they had to take with them it had been on his dining room table they had he believed that he had moved it into the guest room which was the staging area for Mm -hmm. packing and he looked in there and it wasn't there. And so he looked on the dining room table. It wasn't there. He looked all of these different places. And and considering that the house in New Hampshire is physically large, there's, there's really not that many places to put stuff. Mm-hmm. They keep it fairly clutter-free, you know? Um, if I had to hide something in that place, I don't know how I'd do it because, you know, they don't have full closets or anything going on, you know, with 
where you can put stuff. And he, he, this went on for a couple of days and he said to, to his, his wife, he said, I don't know what to do. And she's like, well, what would Barbara do? And he was like, Oh, <laughs> he was like, she's, to- she's, she's, she's like, she's told you that you know, how it works. She's like, just, just ask, what's it going to hurt you? Just ask, just ask. Yeah. And she said, and you have to ask nice. Remember you have to ask nice. And so he did. He, he spoke, he went to the center of the house and he spoke up to the ceiling and, and said, you know, we need this back. I, I really need it. I've got two days before we leave and I really need it to go with me. Please give it back. And, you know, he's like, so what should I do now? She goes, well, just let it sit for, you know, five, ten minutes and, and then we'll look. Mm-hmm. It was in the guest room on top of a pillow where it was in plain view. Yeah, it couldn't have been missed. But it before. hadn't. Yeah. Yeah. But it hadn't been there before. Right. But there it was, the stack all neatly, you know, tidied. Mm-hmm. So he called me. He said, You rubbed off on me. I'm like, I, I didn't leave anything in your house, I promise. <laughs> um, at least I'm pretty sure I didn't leave well, anything in your house. What he did get was that, a solution it, from you, so you should have just said yes. you're welcome, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, thank you for telling me that, but, you know, that's just... Next time you visit, just make sure you don't bring anything. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll keep my weird things that live in my house with me in my house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, and I mean, that is a part of it too, right? Is that it does seem to almost be contagious or yeah. self-perpetuating. So yeah, there was some wisdom in my mom not like amping it up for us when we yeah. were kids. Aside oh, from yeah. just basic, decent parenting and, you know, the practical. And she end, didn't want to listen to y'all. The practical end of yeah. it of dealing with scared kids is it's um and i mean this is why i have other stories that really involve my brother more than they do me but he's of that belief too so he doesn't want me to talk about the stories because so i have to respect that right but but he's afraid if he talked about it or thought about it or if i told the stories then it would make it happen more you know right so uh yeah (laughs) i mean there might be something to that Weird stuff still happens at my folks' house, even though they don't live in that old house anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and my brother currently lives there too, actually. But, um, uh, and I mean, the stuff has kind of followed me over the years. So, yeah, different places I've worked most of the time. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, speaking of such, whenever I'd get to telling stories like this to a coworker or something. Uh huh. Um, one of one of one of my favorite things that happened was working at a cafe, uh, telling my coworker a bunch of the stories that I just told you, or some of them at least. And uh, at at the end of it, he's saying basically, you know, the cafe is closed. I'm mopping the floor, and I had just told a bunch of these stories. And he's counting the drawer, and he says, you know, I don't want to. I'm not trying to call you a liar or anything. He's like, I just don't believe in any of this stuff. So he's like, there right. must, must have been some rational explanation for everything that happened, or maybe you're remembering something a little wrong, but, you know, maybe it got exaggerated with time, you know. Um, 
but he's like, there's gotta be something rational. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. And like, I didn't want to press it, you know, like I'm not, no. gonna, I'm not going to like try to make a believer out of somebody, <laughs> but uh, yeah. so, so I take the mop bucket and go back to the bathrooms to mop up the bathrooms while we're closing. And while I'm in there, I, I just hear this crazy clatter and I hear him scream like this crazy Uh-oh. noise. And, um, as I'm coming back out from the bathroom to the main room, the main dining area, uh, I just, he's just standing there like, uh, awestruck. He's a slack jawed and scared just saying over and over again, I did not do that. <laughs> he's like, I did not do that. Uh, oh man. All of the CDs that we had that we would listen to during our work shift and play over the cafe speakers, we had been stacked up on a shelf directly behind him behind where the cash mm-hmm. register was. And, uh, as soon as I had left the room and went in the bathroom and started mopping, they just all shot off the shelf sideways and spread it all over the cafe. Like they were on top of tables. Oh, they were out in the dining hall on the, floor. Oh my God. Like all the stacks and stacks of CDs just shot across the room in every direction. And he's he's sitting there like shaking his head, like almost traumatized by it, being like, "I, I, uh-huh. I didn't, I didn't." De-. And I said, "Well, I don't know. There's got to be a rational explanation for that." <laughs> yeah, you, you just had to rub it in that little bit, you know, <laughs> just a little bit. Because then I had to count down the drawer because he's like in the fetal position, like rocking, like it kind of oh. shatters your reality when it's like yeah, the first it time something like that actually happens, you know. Unless you start out really, really young, in which case to you, it's kind of normal. So you just kind of go, yeah, right. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that weird to me, you know? Um, um, That was pretty extraordinary though. It was almost like to prove a point. (laughs) It, it was, I'm sure of it, Which also it was like, dude, I'll show you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but then you know you kind of ascribe a personality to it and say it was an it, and some it did that, or was it me mm-hmm. doing it? Because you don't. Or, yeah, were were you kind of like yeah, whatever, man? I'm just yeah. Yeah, it is. Weird. Was it something attached to you? Was it a part of you? Was it? There's yeah. no way to know, of course. Yeah, and I mean, I I was always uh, the the idea of recurrent spontaneous com- um, psychokinesis always always struck me as very plausible and like a really cool idea. I think it was yeah. like, um, was that William roll that came up with that idea? The parapsychologist, mm-hmm. Dr. Roll. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and it, that made sense to me more than anything else, you know? And so that's yeah. kind of what I always went with. But at the same time, when the activity would kick up, it would be more of a nuisance than anything. Cause usually mm-hmm. it would make a mess. <laughs> yeah and i'd find myself talking to it like whatever it was just being like oh come on do we have to do that right now like don't do that yeah oh yeah like (laughs) i i talk to the critters that are in my house all the time because you know what are you what are you gonna do yeah you know and and does that mean that i kind of created them you know because i personify everything and talk to it i mean even in culinary school I would talk to the ingredients if the stove was acting up. I'd talk to the stove, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, be whisking a, a roux into a sauce and, you know, just sit there and go, don't break, don't break, be good, don't break. Yeah. You know, I don't want to have to keep doing this. Don't break, don't break, don't break. You know, even 
a couple of times other students, they were much younger than me, would go to the instructors and go, she's crazy. She talks to stuff. And, you know, they were like, this, it, it works, does it not? Yes. <laughs> Food is always good. We don't care. <laughs> and I mean, people... You have problem, you will be on the other side of the kitchen. Hmm? Right. Yeah. People do that. <laughs> like, people people will, but usually it takes desperation, and I don't think people realize they do it. Like, if your car won't start, the average you person would it. just be like, come on, come on, start. Just start up for me. Just this one time, like, you're... <laughs> <laughs> bargaining yeah. with your car to, yeah um yeah it, like people people understand what that is but they don't do it unless they're desperate most of the time you know yeah so do, or do they you, just do it and don't think about it right and if you so I've, if you I've ask seen them, people do that right so if you ask them they'd say no i don't talk to stuff like <laughs> but then, and then there they, they are about it, talking to stuff yeah, yeah do you talk to your art and your like uh media when you're when you're doing a mixed media project sometimes yeah it depends it depends sometimes it it's a dialogue but it's it's mostly silent right um sometimes i talk because i'll um have music on and i'll sing with it mm -hmm. um because there is definitely a dialogue that goes on but it isn't in any way anything that anybody else would understand i don't think mm-hmm yeah. Um, but yeah, and I also have some business that lives up in my studio and messes with me because this has happened, I don't know how many times, but there's a, a technique that I do that's, that's really, it takes a lot of equipment and it takes a lot of paint and it takes lots of things like, you know, fresh leaves from outside. And it's, it's called um, gel printing. So you have a soft gel pad that you apply paint to, and then you put things on it to block out parts of it, and you put paper down, and you you know rub it hard, and then you pull a print, and then you take bits of whatever you put on there, and you do another print, and, mm -hmm. and you can put layer upon layer upon layer. So I have specific um, paint that I use that dries slowly. So I have um, the slow-drying acrylics, and then I have some that, dry extra fast so I can do all kinds of different things. But I have to, in order to do it in any kind of efficient way without having to think very hard, I have to have it set up very specifically. So like my paints in cool colors and in the stuff that stays wet longer is on the left. The other paints are in front of me. And then the brayer and like the stencils and the leaves are over here and then I have a drying rack and then I have paper over here. So there's this, I know where everything is. And when I pick up a color and put it onto the thing, I'm very careful about putting it back where it came from. Well, not too long after Morgana gave me a painting for my birthday, I noticed that paint was starting to not be where I put it. Hmm. And I was like, what do you now? And it would go back into the drawer, which is underneath the table where it, it lives when I'm not using it. Mm -hmm. But, it, but I know the drawer didn't open and I know I didn't put it in there because I was going to be using it for, you know, a couple hours. And so I'd pick something up over here and put it down over here and do some things. And then, you know, 
put the print down to dry and I'd reach for the next paint and the paint that I just put down wasn't there. Yeah. So then I'd look for it and I'd either part. find it in a, I'd either find it in the drawer or I'd find it like behind me outside of the reach of my arm. Right. So, you know, yeah. farther than I would put it, like I'd have to push my desk chair and roll across the room to do that. And that's not something you forget doing. Yeah. So I, I was like, I had to talk to it. I was like, okay, you all, whatever you're up to, just please just leave the paint that I'm working with alone. Yeah. Go, go mess with something else, please, please, please. And it mostly obeys, but if I go for a long time and I don't go up there and do anything, it'll, it'll get wild and weird. And stuff will be places that I had not put it. And I'll go after my 16-year-old who goes in there and bar borrows mom's stuff mm. and doesn't put it back. So I'll go after him and be like, all right, where is it? Where, yeah. where's, where are my Tombow markers? Where are they? I know you use them. And he'll be like, I haven't used them in months, mom. Well, damn. Something you know, so I have them. to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something had to use them and then bring them back at some point. So I have to either, you know, talk nicely and just ask, or as Morgana says, bribe whatever it is with, you know, a promise of something or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Disappearing Always have to and talk to the critters. Items. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Always fun. So much fun. Yeah. Um, do you have that in your house now? Um, <clears throat> as far as like, as far as things moving on their own, not so much. I mean, uh, that's good. Yeah, it is good. Like, I'm not crazy about that. I mean, a couple of years ago, I decided I was gonna because since I was always kind of um convinced that it was some kind of psychokinesis, I started playing with the idea of maybe uh like learning how to control it better. I remember mm -hmm. I talked to Stephanie Quick about it, um, and she directed me to some resources that would help you like focus. So I made like a little eggly wheel on on a uh, inside a glass dome to see if I could move it, and mm -hmm. I, I tried that, but I can I've, I have never been able to move anything on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The weird thing is that I got more generally psychic stuff happening like i was you know sensing things before they were happening and um yeah just becoming generally more psychic instead of having more psychokinetic ability so um yeah like well that's not surprising yeah i mean i'm like that's actually probably more productive thing to have <laughs> yeah yeah it's probably better to know what's going to happen right before it happens than you know be able to move a little aluminum foil disc around <laughs> yeah yeah that's 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 really exciting <laughs> i moved a disc yeah okay whatever well it yeah. kind of is and then people can, it is people but can like some people devise these things in a laboratory setting and demonstrate that they can do it and and um and it's been demonstrated before but still you know parapsychology and psychokinesis and ESP is all pseudoscience according to your 
you're skeptics of mainstream to, people, you know? Like Yeah. Even though there's so much stuff that has been shown to work. Yeah, and shown that, to work in an academic setting, like peer reviewed. Over and, and over and yep. over. Yep. And there's never enough proof ever. And, and there, probably never will never be. Never will be. I, like and I'm I'm comfortable with that, right? Like I'm Yeah. I think the mystery is a big part of it. And I think demystifying mm-hmm. it might be an error. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we well, it might make it to. If there is some sort of consciousness or personality behind it that's not ours, um it, probably demystifying it is the absolute wrong thing to do to probably piss it off. Yeah. You know. <laughs> it, it wouldn't oh, want to yeah. play anymore. The gloves are the gloves are off at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't approve of that. Yeah, um, I don't think you know, I don't think humanity is ready for it. No, I don't. I don't think most people are either. Right. Um, you know, there's a there's a few people, and I mean, you know, uh, you were talking about how the phenomena follows people, and I was just reading right before um, Professor Wham wrote about this this book. Um, by Harry Rutledge called Project Identification. Mm-hmm. And it's the first scientific field study of UFO phenomena. It's a great book. And I was, I'm using it in research that I'm doing for another book. And what is interesting is he really was pretty much a skeptic. He was, he was a physicist. He was a good physicist. But then, you know, these these UFO sightings started to happen 75 miles from where he lived. And he was like, you know, why don't I just go out there with some field equipment and, you know, let's see what's out there. Let's see what people are seeing. It's probably nothing. It's probably conventional aircraft that people are misidentifying or it's, you know, I mean, all the things that, you know, he would say that it would be. And so he... He got some funding and he got, um, he didn't get permission from his department chair at uh, the university he worked at. He just kind of told him what was up. So if anything, it came out in the media, it wasn't like his department chair didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. And he goes out and he he has equipment that, that he's deployed, so he has observation areas in, like, three different places. They use it to triangulate um, the speed and the size of the object, how far away it is, all of this stuff. See, this is the part I absolutely cannot do. I can follow something in the sky with my eyes, but and that's math. I No, can't mm. do that, but he did it. And, you know, he basically proved that these things that were moving around, most of them were anomalous lights, uh, were at a reasonable distance away. They showed no FAA-approved lights that, Mm -hmm. you know, are supposed to be on every aircraft in our airspace. And um, they were moving erratically. You know, they were. he was watching, you know, quick starts and stops and all sorts of stuff. So he's like, oh, well, there is something to this. And then it it started happening in his hometown. So he's like, you know what? I'll just keep studying here and I'll, I'll bring my people in and we'll set up observation areas around this town. It's a lot easier. I don't have to spend money on a hotel. This will be cool. Well, 
yeah, I guess it is cool, except it started coming closer and closer to him. Hmm. To the point where he and his family were having sightings all the time. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, in his backyard. And it was getting more and more obvious that it was something playing with him. And he did things like, you know, Keel talked about making up codes and using a flashlight to use a made up code to talk with them. And of course they understood it and would, you know, talk back. Mm -hmm. Um, He had a similar experience where he would say something or think something and the lights would react accordingly. Mm. And he really was creeped out by that. And that was at the point where he said, this is something that is beyond our ability to understand. Yeah. It is not, it is not just a weird light in the sky. There's some intelligence behind it. Mm -hmm. And, when you observe it, it changes it and it reacts to you. Yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> I was like, I mean, yeah, I, that, I've had that, that, that dude's too. got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've experienced that as well. Um, uh, the, the one time I saw anything that I could call a UFO, I was, I used to have to drive four hours twice a weekend for um, picking up my son um, mm-hmm. at the halfway point. You know, after I drove all the way up there, halfway back to my house was always this little pull-off live parking kind of rest area where it had no mm-hmm. no amenities, just a parking lot where you could park, but you weren't even supposed to shut off your engine. You could just, you know, take a break. That's always where I'd get out and stretch and have a smoke and look up at the sky. And um, that's, you know, I had that very kind of thing happen where it was a red light making its way across the sky um and i'm like you know trying to figure out what it is and i'm like oh i don't know what it is but it's not like it's made a 90 degree turn without slowing down or anything and then that's exactly what it did (laughs) it started doing loop-de-loops and like um like basically a figure eight in the sky the falling Mm -hmm. leaf pattern it was doing all the things um yep but then the weird part about that was it would be there whenever i went there like the next oh, week geez. I picked up my son and came back and we stopped there and I was telling him about it. We got out of the car and we both saw it and we watched it Jeez. for a while. Um, another time I went up and I picked him up at his friend's house. And while I was talking to his friend's mom, I was looking up and I see it and I'm like, all right, now we're not even in the same place and it's up here. It's <laughs> so following I, me. I said to her, I'm like, you see that light, right? And she's like, huh yeah what and she's looking at it she goes oh yeah and i'm like that's weird right and she's like yeah it's weird i don't know what that is <laughs> like, I was like, okay all right just okay checking. as long as you see it too because i mean yeah yeah really need uh you know 10 year olds being the only one that that sees it too <laughs> right right <laughs> it's nice to have another you want a believable person. normal human being yeah. adult yeah. to say yeah i see that but yeah i mean the the whole like responding to your thought thing like I could see why Keel would be really freaked out because it it's weird. It's like weird that that would happen, you know. That it seems yeah. to respond. I mean, it's not like I said anything out loud, even 
why would that make yeah. a difference? You know, like, I don't know. Why would it, Morse code with a flashlight mean anything yeah. to, like, you know, an alien from outer space if you that's what you think it is, you know? Which mm-hmm. Kill really didn't, eventually. I think that was one of the it, things that made That him, was actually one of the points, right. you're right, where he was like, okay, these are not space aliens. I don't know what they are, but they're not that. That's why you shouldn't invest too heavily in any particular belief at all, you know? <laughs> yes. The belief part is where you run into trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, so that's true. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I I I've gone for you know for years talking about the the low level in the forest lights that I've seen, and, and friends and I we've talked about them as if they're they're fairy, they're yeah. fairies. That's what they are. They're fairies. And you know, we also saw uh, luminous beings, humanoid beings, and stuff like that. And so that that was that was the niche we put it in. Right before I started doing this podcast, I decided, you know, I'm going to be like Keelan. I'm not going to believe it's anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to put a name to it. I'm just going to try to look at the facts and record the facts and then look for commonalities with other facts that other people have recorded. And you can do that and you can get a lot of interesting correlations the problem is, is it's really, really hard for your brain as a human to do that. Mm-hmm. It is so difficult Probably to right. just be like, no, it's not a that your brain wants to put it in a category so bad. Yep. You know, Morgana, she was just like, Ma, you're crazy. Just, just, <laughs> that's, that's going to make you crazy if you keep that up. Just, just, you know, just. Just let it be, be what it wants you to think it to be. And I'm like, I, I can't do that. Well, yeah. I mean, the luminous beings I encountered in my very young years, um, just like two balls of light showing up at the end of my bed. Um, mm-hmm. Not even an adequate description saying balls or orbs because they weren't. They're amorphous, just points of light that changed in shape mm-hmm. and size. Like plasma balls, I guess, is the best way to think of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, these two things show up, talk to me for a while, ask me like a bunch of mundane questions, like what is your name? Who are you? Like why are you here? Like questions like that. And then drift off out the window. And then um then I ended up having an OBE experience right after that, which I had a brief glimpse of the future. Um so this is the shorthand version of this story because I've told it like 500 times on every show I've ever been on. But right. the point I'm getting at is that I viewed that as a ghost encounter for a long time. Yeah. These were a pair of ghosts at the end of the bed or maybe one ghost that appeared as two points of light for some reason. Right. Then it occurred to me at some point that those are the kinds of questions a ghost hunter would ask. Like, if, oh, speak to me if you're trying you to get, ghost. exactly, from their point of view, I was a ghost. They were trying to get a good EVP by asking, who are you? Why are you here? Oh, that's, what, that's a really funny. Where is here? You know? And like. Uh, yeah. Exactly. I'm, but then, years later, I'm reading Raymond Fowler's The Watchers talking about, like, Betty Andreessen and some of the light phenomena she encountered and how it was similar to stuff he encountered as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be UFO-related. They could be UFO occupants showing up. Yes. Maybe that was a UFO event. I don't even know. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. well, you can't really put any label on it, you know? And I guess I just... yeah. 
I never really tried to. I liked the time traveling ghost hunter idea, like where it was a rift in space and time, and like ghost yeah. hunters in the future were um, talking to me as a small child back then. <laughs> or ghost hunters from another dimension. Yeah, maybe, right? I mean, you know, I saw beings of light at the foot of my bed as a child as well. And they were weird because they were vaguely humanoid, but they were very blobby. Like, like they were kind of humanoid. Like they were s- sort of a head shoulder. So they were human sized. Well, they were shorter. Okay. They were about my size. Right. Um, like and then there was a kid sized. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there was, you know, some legs down there, but they, they, they just, it kept moving. And so occasionally there'd be an arm and and the legs would kind of move. But mostly they look kind of like um, kind of like bowling pin kind of guys. But their heads would change size and the, everything just kept changing size. And, and I, that's why I call them blobby. They just were not quite. It's almost like the opposite of a shadow, it seems, right? Where a shadow can yeah. distort and get bigger. Yeah. Except it's light in yeah. the darkness doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was three-dimensional from what you could tell? Sort of, yeah. 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 I mean, I didn't see noses or facial features, you know, sticking out. But it had out. depth to it. It wasn't. But it had depth right. to it. Yeah, it wasn't just like a projected light. Um, yeah, for me. And, and they came through the wall. Yeah. Which, you know, that's just fucking great. I, <laughs> there is, I don't like faces and humanoid things come through walls. I don't like it. Yeah, for <laughs> that, me, the for two, whatever reason, it bugs me. These two things came through a solid door and went out through yeah. a solid pane of glass. So, um, uh, so I mean, the, the OBE aspect was kind of interesting because as they went out the pane of glass, I just followed them and saw my body fall back onto the bed and go to sleep, you know? Um, right. But, yeah, to me, they were just uh, two separate points of light. And as a kid, being a little kid, what they reminded me of is the gloves that, like, Mickey Mouse was wearing. And if it was really dark, yes. you wouldn't see Mickey Mouse at all. You would just see the white gloves. And I'm sure Disney yeah. had commercials like that where his gloves would pop up first on a black background, you know? Yeah. That was the yeah. first thing it reminded me of was just white hands. Yeah. You know? Cartoon hands, you know? So um, I I wasn't afraid of them. Uh, how did you react? Did, were you... They didn't bother me. I, for whatever reason, I wasn't afraid of them either. I was just curious. Like, I wanted to... Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, what are these guys in my room doing? Yeah. It and it's not like there weren't the the and the other reason I wasn't afraid is because my mom's Siamese cat was with me, oh, and yeah. she saw them and she didn't react badly. Hmm. Like she, I mean, yeah. she didn't like people. Right. Like you know, so if it wasn't my mom or like one of my grandmothers going to pick me up, she would like try to bite people. Yeah. So the fact that she just calmly looked at them and didn't, you know, hiss or you know, rush at them or yowl or try to bite them. To me, that was like, oh, well, that must be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that animal's opinion counts for a lot. <laughs> hey, that's how I judge people. If if dogs and cats don't like them, uh, I'm not necessarily going to trust them either. Right, yeah. Yep. 
So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess the crux of it is that we're never never really going to know what these things are, but it's it's fascinating to compare different encounters because it sounds like what you experienced and what I experienced were very similar. Uh, yeah. And I don't hear very many cases like that, you know? Um, yeah. Because I've looked over the years for something yeah. oh, that I know. similar to Same what... here. I'm like, <laughs> did you see blobby people? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, how, do you, how do you ask that? There's a case that um, Barry Taff investigated. He was the guy that did like um, the entity case, and uh, oh yeah. Um, and there's a picture in one of his books that looks exactly like what I saw. He managed to get one on on camera, which is um, that's the only time I've ever seen one in a book that looked like what I saw. You know. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I've I've very seldom seen um, descriptions of things that that look like what I saw as a kid that one time. Yeah. Um, that I can remember. I mean, you know, who knows? They may have come and visited me other times and just stared at me while I was asleep. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, maybe that's what a dimensional rift looks like. Somebody in another dimension talking, and like all you can perceive is the ball of light, if anything at all. You know. Like, yeah, yeah, and they're a vague shape, you know. (laughs) Yeah, Paul Eno talks about how sometimes what we perceive as ghosts are people on the other side of a dimensional membrane, yeah, that sometimes gets worn thin, and so you can see each other or hear each other, right? But they're they're not dead, and they act afraid because you know we're seeming to them like ghosts mm-hmm. or something else. Well, and yeah, I because, think that's an interesting thought too. Yeah, no, he's got wild ideas that make a lot of sense to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen him give presentations before because he's not far from where I live. He's he's just in what Rhode Island, Connecticut, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think he's in Connecticut. Yeah. Um, He's got he's got a radio show that I could listen to like whenever <laughs> I could probably yeah. pick it up from where I am. But uh, I've seen him give presentations um, like at the Exeter UFO Festival. There used to be one in Lemonster, but he's I know he had a case once where like he basically talked somebody in a different dimension out of committing suicide. He ended yeah. up like weird cases like that, but yeah. Um, yeah, no. I mean, he's he's the real deal. He's he's a seasoned investigator. But um but it gets into the concept of what is time and what is reality then. And yeah. I'm of the opinion that um time doesn't actually exist. Uh Yeah. <laughs> that because it, when you step outside of it and, and you can view the whole of it and everything that is. And if there are intelligences or forms of intelligence that are able to do that then time isn't even an issue at all right right so um, yeah i mean uh that's that's kind of you know i think of time as being more like a corkscrew it cycles around and sometimes collapses on itself so the metaphor i tend to see it as a yeah i see it as a spiral yeah um it's yeah, it's, you see it as stretched this way, and I see it as. Kind it doesn't of have a to disc. be though. Um, but yeah, it goes. A, I, I describe it yeah. as a rubber corkscrew. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> makes you, sense. you can compact it 
sometimes you can make mm-hmm. it touch itself at different points. Um, yeah. And I think that's just all part of a normal process. But yeah. for our human brains to perceive and survive and just live a normal life, we have to. We have to we have, have. We can only see it linearly, linearly, you know. Right. We have to have a past, present, future, or our brains don't, they don't like the other thing. Right. And sometimes <laughs> you can see into an alternate plane, and sometimes you can mm-hmm. see the future of an alternate plane. Yeah. Like maybe that's why you're able to, um, you know, be wrong about predictions or like, you know, predict a future outcome and then change it. Yeah. That's possible yeah. to do. And I mean, and when I used to read tarot, I'm like, this isn't set in stone. Like some things oh, are yeah. going to be some things, you know, to some degree or another it is, but like you, there's things you can do. Like I, I'm a firm believer in free will. <laughs> yes. And, I am too. And in essence, just, using free will is what magic is to me. That's Mm -hmm. uh, and um, because in doing so you're changing all of time and space. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So uh, everything is intrinsic and integral to everything else. And it's all a patchwork. Uh, uh, Everything's all connected in some way, shape or form, Mm -hmm. but um yeah i can get i can get way off uh <laughs> it's really no. hard to explain these things with uh, to me that's what a lot of my writing has kind of been lately is um trying to obliquely approach this stuff with one example at a time <laughs> yeah well all we can do as writers and thinkers with this stuff you know there's there's so many ways there's only so many ways you can describe all of everything and really the best way I think is to do it piece by piece Mm -hmm. because I mean, how many humans understand all of everything, maybe two or three, but, and and they're probably dead. Um, (laughs) Doesn't mean they're not um, still around. (laughs) Well, yeah, I was about to say that just means they're, you know, one plane of existence over their neighbors. Um, But I mean, they, everybody has a moment where they they feel like they understand everything. Mm-hmm. At least most of my friends and I have. Yeah, mush- and then it goes away. It, it doesn't yeah. last for very long. Yeah, eating mushrooms helps with that for sure. It does. It does. <laughs> it absolutely does. LSD does too, but it takes too long, and it's, uh, it's very tiresome to come down off of. I only did that once and immediately fell asleep. <laughs> LSD? Yes. Made you sleepy? No, wow. you know, I was already sleepy. It just, you know. It just helped. My wow. friend, See, I couldn't sleep on it for like 36 hours. It was. My friend was very mad like at me. Because of that. My friend. Well, was, yeah. <laughs> it was a waste. How much fun was that? <laughs> so. Uh, Nobody to talk with? Yep. Yep. Uh, well, I mean, because he, he he was he was already on it, you know, and he gave me a tab out of his stash, and that that was and then <laughs> was you wasted it by going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, there are many different paths that'll lead you to that kind of epiphany where you get it, right? Like an ecstatic feeling right. of it, uh, and mm-hmm. but it's gone just as soon as you got it. 
you know. Yeah, but, our brains aren't meant to hold all of it. Right. It just, it, you know. Um, so you can always kind of calmly, I think obliquely is the best way to, to mm-hmm. approach it and out of the corner of your eye. It's this concept that's always there. That yeah, <laughs> um, as long as you 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 get you get the basic gist, and you can right. kind of have something resembling faith that this all works somehow, and you it just does seem to you try to explain it in little bits and pieces when you can, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, I think of it as like you know, um, watching a wild animal while appearing not to watch it. Yeah, because if you look right at them, they're gonna get threatened and run away, or yeah, you. or uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or run at you, right? Um, and that's not fun. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of, kind of as you say, looking out of the corner of your eye and observing something, and hoping that you're not being observed, observing and upset something or someone. So, right. <laughs> that's always fun. Yep. Yeah, and as Morgana says, Mom, you're always looking at something. One of these days, you're going to look at something too long, and they're going to get mad at you. And I'm... <laughs> I think you haven't prepared. gotten me yet. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think you're probably prepared, though. You know, yeah, you got I'm wards kinda... and things like that. Yeah, right? it's yeah. like you know, if they haven't gotten me yet. They're not gonna. So <laughs> until it's time for me to go anyway, in which case. That's fine. Yeah. Be all right. Right. But I I can't blame her for her. um, Her. She has a much better self-preservation instinct than I do. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's kind of like growing up with this stuff. My mom, like I said, was Catholic. She's still Catholic. It's like, that's uh, a totally different way of perceiving this like the idea mm-hmm. of bringing an Ouija board into the house is, is inviting it all in, you know, like yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing. Like there's a lot of different ways of looking at it for different people. Um, but uh, I think some of us are more equipped to, to handle it when it shows up. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, that ended up being just to put a cap on, on all the poltergeist stuff in my house. My mom, I didn't realize till years later, my mom had a priest come to the house and she advised she was advised to get a crucifix to put on the wall. He would bless the house and then um, bless the crucifix and that should take care of it. And it did, I guess from my perspective, it all just kind of stopped one day or petered out. Um, I was about to ask, you know, and I never, what happened to animal? Did he, did he get, the, he was still there. I mean, he eventually got donated um, on a toy drive, Mm -hmm. oh boy but but in between um in the intervening years for a good length of time he never moved never did anything so right having a priest priest probably did his job yeah i mean i don't know like something happened or did you know we just age out of it because they always say it's like those you know pre-pubescent years or pre-teen years where that's the most active and then when you get to a certain age, it's it's not as crazy, you know, like maybe yeah. just those couple of years, who knows? Like, <laughs> but it was kind yeah. of funny because I never knew till years later that that's what my mom did. 
and um i actually still have it it's it's not just a crucifix it's like a last rites kit um oh okay one of those crosses that if for people that don't know you just kind of slide um the actual cross off of it and there's a compartment in there that has holy water and um right last rites on a little scroll written so they were meant to be kept by the bedside of like an ailing person in case they right croaked or about to croak real quick before the priest could get there somebody else could you know give them yes can do the last minute absolution blessing sort of stuff so um yeah i still have that <laughs> so it's kind of cool you never know like yeah that's never been opened so <laughs> so <laughs> might need that who knows holy water you might yet. open it you might open it up and yeah yeah animal comes back i don't know <laughs> <laughs> unseal it and, oh. yeah yeah well i know i'm gonna have you know visions of animal pacing back and forth in front of a window looking out at the kids it's just like oh <laughs> and and i do wonder if if poltergeist activity if they're i mean it could it could work either way it could be a a non-human entity that then decides to sort of dwell in a human-shaped object mm -hmm. in order to interact and, you know, terrify the children because, hey, that's fun. Or if it's a part of, say, you and your cousins and your brother that became externalized and decided to, you know, just sit down inside of... of animal mm -hmm. and get up to mischief yeah it could be either one yeah it really could and as i said it's like he he just kind of became the face for it it was like the spokesperson for it <laughs> you know? yeah yeah um the most notable aspect i guess so for whatever so you could have had was. kermit i know <laughs> apparently it would have been maybe a little less scary yeah yeah um I don't know. I, I guess it didn't traumatize me too bad because I still like the Muppets to this day. I, I think yeah. I think Animal's funny. <laughs> oh, I love Animal. I, he was always one of my favorites. So, but you know, but yeah, I mean, he's probably still out there. That toy is probably still out there. And yeah, I, it was I, a well-made puppet. I remember the yeah. the you know my uncle still has his. So yeah, and, you know, he's in his sixties. So it had my name written on the on the underside of the collar of the shirt that I was wearing. So um, if I ever come across it at a yard sale or I've always wondered, you just check uh, under there. Yeah. I did find one at a toy store, like a toy collector store, um, kind of like comics and toys and action figures sort of place. And I, I was like, Oh man, that would be wild if that was the same one, you know, <laughs> but I was kind of hanging up like behind the counter and I didn't want to bother the guy, but. Um, yeah, yeah. Be wild. And that's one of those times if, you know, you, you did check and it was there, you'd expect Rod Serling to appear, you yeah. know, right behind you and talk about the Twilight Zone. I'm always <laughs> just assuming that Rod Serling's, like, you know, not too far away from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. I, I suspect he probably lives, you know, in a, in a, in a little side uh, dimension of his own and he can pop in and out wherever he's needed yeah. to uh, narrate our strangeness that's happening 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, somewhere bef- between the uh, pit of a man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was that was a show that occasionally did give me the heebie-jeebies as a child. And then other times I just loved it. I was obsessed with that show. Still am. I mean, it's still yeah. one of the all-time greatest shows that's ever been on TV. It really is. It's it's an amazing show. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know the, the the attempts to revive it have never been as they can't, you can't great recreate it. No, I mean there was even no. one se- one one season of the original series where they tweaked the formula, and none of those episodes are as good. They were like an hour long and shot on videotape instead of um, film. Oh yeah, no the the part that was great was that it was shot on film. So it yeah, was like it was little cinematic. black and white, yeah, cinematic like yeah, noir almost short films. Yeah. Yeah, um, I love that. And 23 minutes is like the perfect amount of time. You know, like a half Mm -hmm. hour program with time for commercials because they had to ramp it up and they had to ramp up the melodrama and they had to make the story happen. (laughs) And then that twist at the end, it was always a gut punch. And there was more than one. Yeah. If there was, sometimes there was more than one. So you you thought you got the twist, but then there was another one. So Yeah, um, and they were just waiting. (laughs) They were just waiting. And the writers on that show, I mean, Richard Matheson, is you know he he contributed so much to it and he's one of my all-time favorites for story writing that guy was great yeah um and rod serling himself wrote a lot of those stories and those were yeah he did his stories were great you know but yeah all the writers on that show were did bradbury ever write for them uh not for them they adapted one of his stories okay Um, i sing the body electric they did that one. They should the have adapted the smallest assassin. I'm just saying they should. Oh, that, well, I don't know if they could have pulled that off or gotten away with it I, in the 60s. I know, probably not. I think the Illustrated Man would have been a really cool Twilight Zone. That episode. would have been cool too. Yeah, I'm a total Bradbury geek. I love Bradbury. I know. <laughs> have you read uh, Green Shadows, White Whale by Bradbury? Um, I don't think so. It's an interesting. It's. It's partially biographical, and he tells the story of going to Ireland to write the script for oh, oh, yeah, no, Moby Dick. Yes, and he had to yeah. deal with um, the director or the yeah with John Huston John of Houston, all yeah, people. Exactly, yeah, and he was like basically terrorized by him. And yes, oh, yes, they they made that. Into, then, there was a dramatized version of that on. Um, it was some TV series. It might have been the Ray Bradbury story series. That it could have been. On TV. But they did a film adaptation of it at some point, too. Yeah. Yeah. I thought my dad would like it, so I gave it to him, and he was like, that was just too weird. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll never give you any of my Theodore Sturgeon books then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sturgeon, He's even weirder. There's another one. And he put, going back to Star Trek, he was... He he yep. came up with some really crucial things on Star Trek. Yes. Um, yes, he did. He was the first one to write the line, live long and prosper, I think. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Star Trek had what? They had, um, they had Sturgeon. They had Ellison. Ellison for one episode. And he was mad because they changed it. He was pretty cranky, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was he, pissed. He was difficult to work with, apparently, but brilliant yeah writer yeah it was that was yeah, the, he's a uh, great writer that was a time travel one that was yeah, yeah it was city on the edge of forever right. yeah 
with Joan Collins. Yep. Great episode. Which, you know, I Dynasty came out and I was like, why does that woman look so familiar? And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I know who that is. <laughs> yeah. So normal people are like, oh, Joan Collins from Dynasty. I'm like, no, from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and before Star Star Trek, Shatner was on the Twilight Zone, so it all yes, they all referenced the little each other. gremlin. Yep, he was in two episodes of the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one was Death's Head Revisited. I think was the title. I think that's yeah. the one. Yeah, he's in a diner with the little fortune telling machine. Because, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Twilight Zone's just so good. Now I want to go watch it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> timely uh, th- th- there's stories that are timely even now like the monsters are due on maple street could easily yes. describe the world we live in now you know it's yes not very much different not much has changed no. since 19 what 1959 60 something whatever <laughs> whatever I, I think it was 1960 but yeah. it, it may have been 59 i think um but i mean i came from west virginia so i was born in 65 so the 60s didn't really start happening there until like the mid 70s is when you know we had hippies mm. they it took a long time to yeah. get to west virginia right. the mountains kept everybody out i don't know disco and the hippies happened at the same time for us um and uh so this the 60s and the early 70s were still the 50s it was very strange mm. yeah. very very strange yeah, I mean, very I, backwards. I always felt like I was kind of out of time anyway. Uh, I, I was never, I was never digging into even as a kid like current stuff. Like as a young kid, yeah. I loved the Three Stooges and Laurel and Hardy and Universal yeah. monster movies from the 30s and 40s. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, that and, and obviously, the had, same with me. Yeah, the Looney Tunes cartoons and Mary Melody, yep. the old stuff. I just loved yep. stuff that was older, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's because my dad was like really into all of that stuff. Um yeah, was stuff you could and, enjoy with your folks and you could mutually appreciate yeah, it. Was good, yeah. Yeah, and then he liked all kinds of music. And so, you know, I was listening to stuff from the nineteen thirties all the way up to the present day, plus all a lot of kind of weird um classical stuff not the general mm-hmm. run-of-the-mill classical stuff but some of the stranger odder things yeah. and so I, I literally there are people who have said that you know what it, how older what just yeah. by my musical taste it's like but i yeah it's like that's oh, okay <laughs> um and then i i hung out with my grandparents on their farm and so there was there were there was times when it was like growing up in Laura Ingalls Wilder's you know time period of the late night you know mid mid to late nineteenth century, and then I go home to the bustling metropolis of Charleston, West Virginia, <laughs> and it would be sort of modern times. Yeah, it was interesting. So yeah, I have I have no idea what time period I'm from anymore. Right. <laughs> As we say, it's it's a it's a corkscrew that you can squish down into a, a spiral. Right. So yeah. 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 
I don't know, maybe that has something to do with it too, the ready availability of of basically time travel just by like streaming services, you know, and, and being able mm-hmm. to call up a short movie from like 1920. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, sometimes these films haven't been seen for years because they thought, you know, they were thought to be lost, but you can find it on YouTube all of a sudden because somebody found a copy and then <laughs> yes. uh, just being at the, the technology being made available for us to call up things from different time streams when you think about it yeah. in terms of um, William S. Burroughs and his cut-up techniques, yes. like pulling things out of time and, and making things happen simultaneously to stuff that's not contemporaneous and kind mm-hmm. of messing up reality by doing that. <laughs> We're constantly yeah. doing that all the time now. We all carry a little TV in our pocket that we can call up something from 30 years ago, 50 years ago, yesterday. Or just take pictures of what's happening right now. Yeah. All of reality. I kind of wonder. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if he would have liked that or been horrified by that. I, he probably uh, would have liked it. Yeah. I mean, I think it would have been like the kind of chaos that he would have appreciated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but, no, I mean. I mean, just. It our was per- his. It was his. Uh, uh, seven souls. Mm-hmm. That, that long poem cycle that kind of got me the idea that you know what if the reason that the ufo people and um other manifestations are so concerned about uh nuclear war is because they're made of energy and uh, uh yeah I've thought the emp too. pulse would destroy that yeah and that they basically would be soul killers mm-hmm. and 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 i was like oh let's see that was a time when I, the mushrooms helped. Well, here's something. I don't think I would have thought of that had it not been for that. <laughs> well, here's something too. Um, the uh, during, I think it was during the Kennedy administration, um, we were testing nukes in space for the first time, um, and they had Van Allen, who the Van Allen belts were named for to they had him do a study to see if it would actually be safe to detonate something in the upper atmosphere in space and his Mm -hmm. conclusion was we don't know because he had he had only just discovered the belts that are named after him right belts of energy and and radiation and uh, electromagnetic waves the way that they come out of the earth's core and loop around back into itself um and his answer was, he, we don't know. And they were paying him to do the study. And they're like, hey, look, what we want to hear is, yes, it's safe. So you just well, I that and you here's that. your money. <laughs> so yeah. they were going to do it anyway. So, like, it could have yeah. doomed everybody. because we, like, But what it did do was disrupt that pattern. The, the electromagnetic mm-hmm. pattern in, in um, the magnetosphere is, was altered after that. And um, yeah. fortunately, it didn't end life on Earth, but it's different than it was before. And so we're talking like yeah. 60s. Um, and it's interesting to think like how UFO phenomena changed after that. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I always wonder if that had something to do with it. <laughs> well, you know, I I, th- I do think that that the nuclear weapons tests and... <laughs> Uh, the use of of the weapons at the end of World War II did have something to do with it. I mean, I 
I know, you know, proximity to, you know, in time doesn't make it related, but it just seems like something that unprecedented that people didn't really know exactly what would happen. Mm-hmm. Even the people who built it didn't really know. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, that but- has to count for something. Right. You're like, you well, know. this could be the end of us all, but, it, I, but I know, that's right? That's why we're testing it. But <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Uh, can, I, uh, uh, it's it's nuts. It's just crazy to think about. Because um, I mean, the Space Brothers aren't wrong. We shouldn't be screwing around with that stuff. <laughs> no, no, we shouldn't. We never should have. I've I mean, o- I've often thought that all UFOs are actually the psychic projection of all plant life on earth because see that. plants also have a vested interest in not being nuked. So yeah, <laughs> and, I could see that. And they're all connected via networks anyway and communicating with each other all the time. So why wouldn't they have some kind of extra, um, sentience that, that we can't perceive because it exists on another level. Yeah. I think it's been um proven to my satisfaction that plants have consciousness. <laughs> oh, I'm sure of it. But I'm sure I've I've been sure a, of that since I was a kid. Though. But there's a megafaunal consciousness too, because they're all literally, quite literally connected to each other and, and communicating in networks, you know. And so. and what about that giant fungus that's under like Oregon? Like Michigan that too. Biggest yeah. yeah, that 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 biggest piece of like life on this planet. What's that? What, what's it doing over there? You know, what's going on? Does it, is it communicating with us? Just being a fungus. Yeah. Fungus ultimately rules everything. I think pretty much. Well, yeah. If they hadn't arisen, yeah, we, we wouldn't be here. Every couple of years, you see an article about fungi on Mars and, Mm -hmm. um, like we brought it there. If there is any oh, fungus yeah. on Mars, we brought it there with the stuff we sent there, because there's no way yeah, to cause... make sure that you have none, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it adapted probably. Like if anything could do it, it's fungus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Martian, Martian mushroom, mushroom people. Well, so. you could. It, one could terraform it in that way, starting with fungus. I mean, it's going to take thousands of years, but. <laughs> on a planetary time scale, that's not that long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Be interesting. Yep. Well, do you have anything else to add to the question? Because if we start talking about fungus, we're just going to talk for three more hours. Right. Yeah. Because I could talk forever about yeah, fungus. Yeah. I, th- I think Martian fungus is a, is a good demarcation point. Mm-hmm. That's a- yeah, everybody is going to be like, what do you mean Martian fungus? Why did you stop? What's wrong with Tune you? Tune in next time as we discuss. <laughs> yeah. It's like... You know, we had to do that with Steve Berg the first time we had him on. Oh, we were supposed it. to talk yeah. about uh, the, the weird Nebraska. Yeah. Never got to it. So this week, oh, yeah. I'm I'm going to air the second part of that. So yeah, I you know, if you it. feel the need to talk about Martian fungus, you know where to go. You can call me. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that, talk about missing time. I, I talked to Steve once and I was just like, but where did two and a half hours go? <laughs> oh, I know. Wow, I know. that flew by. Like, <laughs> what a guy. Oh, he's fun. He's so fun to talk to. Yeah. So, he is. He's great. Yep. 
Well, uh, thank you. Oh, well, thank you for having I, me. This was a really I'm fun just, chat. I'm just excited I got to hear about Animal <laughs> being possessed <laughs> by Q. Yeah. Yep. I tell, I, I'm going to tell my husband that. He's going to yep. be thrilled. Yep. Just picture him in a mariachi outfit, like dancing around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Captain Picard does not appreciate our humor, I don't think. No, he's not amused. <laughs> no, he's never amused by that. Q, I well, don't find this much. amusing. <laughs> yes, well. He was always just so proper. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks, Barbara. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you.